What's up, guys? You're tuned in to Devo with Uncle Theo. I'm your host, Theo J. Davis. Uncle Theo, T.O. Theo. I got my special guest with me again today, Detective Mills, Mr. Dustin Mills. His before Christ name was Dirty D. Can I say that out loud? He just did. (laughs) (laughs) And I call him Dirty D sometimes to pick on him just to show, man, how wicked we were before Christ. And we're about to see how wicked people actually can get before Christ. Let's look at that today. Uh, we ended with Genesis 3, and we really didn't give the audience much practical application. And I think we need to start doing a better job of ending our episodes, helping them walk away with something. That, hey, how can I obey God today from Genesis? That Genesis 3.15 promise was enough practical application for anybody on the last one. But I just think we need to do a good job because we got to get into a lot of weeds and people need to be able to lift their head up and say, oh, okay, all right, I can trust God with this today. And I can, and I can, the back to our word dynamic, man, this was powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And I can use this in my life. And so we really want to do a good job of it. So let's dig in, man. Chapter four. And we left off walking into chapter four, something interesting. I don't think a lot of people know this, but what was the woman's name? Her name wasn't Eve. She didn't get her name Eve to chapter three. It says in chapter three, verse 20. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So Adam names his wife Eve, the mother of all living. Did you ever catch that in, in your reading? I know you probably caught that before and yeah. heard that. That happens and he makes the skin after that statement. And we walk into chapter four. And Eve says this statement, it says, now the man had relations with his wife, Eve, and some translations say new, and we've grown enough, grown up enough to say that means six. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said this, I have gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Now, hold up, swole up. Wait a minute. Let's talk about this. So Noah, the Hebrew, I'm not fluent, but I can make my way around the text. And something that I learned in Hebrew is that there's a direct object marker uh, that there's this symbol in Hebrew where it's a direct object marker that you use to. And by direct object marker, it means you're trying to show the direct object of something. So in the text, with the help of is not even there. So literally in the Hebrew, it says, I have gotten a child who is the Lord. Man, all my circuits are blown. Because that lets me know that Eve bought into the Genesis 3.15 promise. She first is named the mother of all living. So she knows life is going to come through me. Death came through me. Now life is going to come through me. In fact, Timothy plays off of that. A woman is saved through her childbearing. Like because life can flow through her now. And she can lead the human race out of sin, bro. Just like she led the human race in sin. And so women have a beautiful role there. And so Eve led that charge out and she said, look, the seed coming. God said he coming through me. I had this child. This child is, bro, it says Yahweh. I got a child who is Yahweh. Man, what do you think about that? She thought she had the Messiah. She thought she had him. And we need to start thinking like that, don't we? If we're going to take on the lens of a Jew, Jews aren't created to after Abram. But if we're going to be reading like uh, a recipient that Moses would have wrote to, they're looking for the Messiah. He doesn't have a name. They don't know he's Emmanuel. They don't know he's God with us. 
They don't know he's of the fruit of heaven and earth, that he's 100% God, 100% man. They don't know he's Jesus, but they know somebody's coming to crush the serpent's head and that will give them rest. And so we need to start. I want us to put on that type of uh, 3D goggles and being in that spot, we're saying, is that him? Is this the seed? Is Cain the seed? Is Noah the seed? Is this guy, you know what I'm saying? Is Shem? Is, I want us to walk through that way because I think that's how they would have been. And then they see the person's life and they sin and they're like, oh, nope, it ain't him. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to keep looking. But that doesn't hurt us because it wasn't him, but it does winnow down more. We know that it's coming through him and so i think we can isn't that how the whole uh faith hall of fame and hebrews 11 yeah all, all those people were saved uh because they were looking to they knew god was going to send someone yeah uh yeah i got but it. they had never they haven't met him yet i gotta drop another rap bar now i'm gonna get off bizzle get on shylin he said before the cross they were saved off debit after the cross they were saved on credit Man. bro that's a bar yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they look to the promise in the Old Testament and they're looking back in the New Testament. And so that's what we're seeing. So we know she thought Cain was Yahweh. We know that ain't true. Right. Because we get our first <laughs> we get our first murder in Genesis four. And something else we need to talk about is this murder transpires off of the giving of sacrifices. So Abel brings his sacrifice which is what did he bring looking at the text he brought the firstlings of the flock but Cain brought the fruit of the ground and so we need to talk through like why did God accept Abel's offering and reject Cain the two things you work through there one tradition is they didn't have scriptures, but they had oral tradition. Oral tradition back then was fire. Man, you rememberize stuff word for word. You pass it down to the next generation, and they didn't play about that. And so that stuff would have been communicated accurately uh, through that culture. We not so much, man. We got GPS. We don't even remember directions no more. Like, I don't even know half of my family's phone number because we depend on technology so much. But back then, like, they didn't play with memories, and we could actually take notes from them regarding the scriptures. So it could have been that Adam communicated that to them, that this is the sacrifice that is acceptable to God and Cain's are rejected. But there's another popular position that says that not quite, because it's really not the sacrifice. It's really the faith. Cain doesn't present his offering in faith and Abel does. And that's why God rejects it. Because even in the Levitical sacrificial system, you look at the different types of sacrifices, you have grain offerings, you have even the tide was food most times. So we know that God receives the, the thing that Cain gave. So we kind of have to look at it from both ways. What are your thoughts on that? Have you considered both of those or double down on one or the other? When I was thinking through it, some New Testament writing, there's no forgiveness of sin without the uh, shedding of blood. So that would come up in my mind. And, and I would think about the end of chapter three, of course, when uh, God kills the the animals and clothes Adam and Eve mm -hmm. uh, when they were uh, covered with fig leaves before. And for the most, I always think about that text as maybe uh, possibly the first sacrifice because mm -hmm. uh, God was doing prescription for atonement. But the other, what you're saying too about uh, the grain, I think it definitely is a hard issue either way. Yeah. Uh, because we know that we're dealing with a gracious God. 
you know, either way it goes. No, nah, that's good. I, and the reason I say that is because I want to read this and bring this to bear. In Hebrews 11, 4, it says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. And see, you see the emphasis placed on the faith, but the offering is brought up too. You see what I'm saying? And so you can't really cast one of those beside, but you just see that chapter of Hebrews being a faith chapter and religion being Christianity, being a religion of the heart. That's a big deal to God matters of the heart. We see it all the way through scripture. It says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Yeah. It says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. The first statement, same chapter, Hebrews 11, and that's Romans 4, with what you mentioned last. And even, bro, Jesus didn't get riled up for any sin like he got riled up for hypocrisy and pride. And so, like, the heart condition of man is an important thing to God. And obviously, we don't need to take that lightly. And so continuing in our text, what about Cain's attitude, bro? After he did this, after he murdered his brother, we get the first murder, which shows sin entering the world. And we're going to talk about this more. But he said, am I my brother's keeper? He lies to get him in the field to kill him. And then when God questions him, he says, am I my brother's keeper? It just reminds me of then God gives him judgment. And he's, wait up, hold on, God, that's a little too harsh. And it reminds me, man, I don't know if this is a accurate or appropriate analogy, but you ever watch those shows where there's this guy, like a a tough guy who bullies people and murderer, he's talking tough until he gets hemmed up and caught or his sentence is read in court. You ever seen that? Man, this man is convicted of murder and he's fainting like a woman. He's sitting there fainting when his sentence is getting read. And that kind of reminds me of Cain, man, he's, he has this tough talk, but when his sentence gets read, he's, man, who can endure this? Nobody can endure this. And he's cowering. Do you you get that same vibe from Cain? No, for sure. Like, he, he committed the crime, and then he says, hold up, God, my punishment is greater than I can bear. <laughs> he says, behold, you have Fainted driven in the me court away room, today. Away from the ground and from the face, I shall be hidden. And I shall be a fugitive or wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. What does God say? He said, no, they ain't going to kill you. And it's interesting. He puts a mark on him. And it's two, it's a few ways to take that. Some people say that's something that God had where the people understood. But some people take it literally like it's like a brand or a tattoo or something. I don't know where to go with that. But I just thought that was interesting. Either way, he was protected, huh? Man, yeah. And that's also interesting, too. If you think about it, Cain kills Abel, right? Yeah. He kills Abel. Instead of God killing Cain, yeah. he actually tells, says, hey, if anybody does kill Cain, yeah. they got to come see me. Yeah. And so he actually prolongs his life in his misery. It's almost like Cain was like, but he was cast off from God. Yeah, for sure. He and was so, sent in into the land of Nod, which means wandering town. He was, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was wondering. God, and I heard one guy say that actually that was Cain shot back at God. God told Cain, you will be a wanderer. And he said, no, nah, I'm going to go stay in Nye, which is wandering town. I was like, man, 
And I don't want to get too deep into that, but it makes sense because look at the rest of the text. Like we start to see because we know for a fact this isn't Yahweh. Because even in First John, it says that Cain is of the wicked one, of Satan. And you start to see that the enmity of between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. This is the seed of Satan. And look at what they're doing. Cain had relations with his wife. She conceived. You give birth to Enoch. They start to build a city. Man, they're growing in their wickedness. Look at what they use. The good creation of God, they're splurging and growing in wickedness. They're taking everything in creation and they're like turning up with it. One thing they do, first you get Lamech and he took for himself two wives. Now you got people taking wives. It ain't knowing and conceiving. He taking two wives. Now we got our first instance of polygamy, bro. We not out a, cha a full chapter out. We got murder. We got polygamy. What else are they doing? And then they're using God's resources to create tents and locks livestock. So they have ranching. They one brother name is Jubal, who plays the lyre and the pipe. So now they got music. Then you got another brother who has implements of bronze and iron. And so now they have metallurgy. They're creating metals. They're able to use God's creation for sin. And we see the culmination of this where in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, like it's it's climaxing, like it's getting wicked, more and more wicked. And there it looks like Satan is winning. In fact, Layman says to his wives, I, I like the joke. I, I call this the first gangster rap song. He <laughs> says, look, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Layman is avenged seventy sevenfold. <laughs> Like he rapping, bro, about murder. What is gangster rap? Rapping about murder. So this is, they didn't create rap back then in the 80s with Easy e and all those boys. Lamech created gangster rap, bro. He rapping about evil and writing a poem about it. Adam wrote a poem about good. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's poetry. Lamech rapping and rhyming about evil. And we just see evil on the rise. And in the middle of that e evil, bro, we get chapter five which is a genealogy and now we say okay now genealogies make sense now guys say okay evil is running rapid but let me show you my seed let me show you my lineage and so he steps in and says this is the book of the generations that's our word toledote of adam in the day when god created man he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and named them man in the day they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his own image and named him Seth. And so a lot of people point to this as the headship of Adam passing on sin throughout mankind. I know it's been some pushback against that, but that's traditionally, that's how I've taken that in. Is that how you take that as well? Sin passing on, thinking about Romans 5, therefore through one man sin into the world and death through sin. So death passed upon all men for all of sin. And so now Adam is creating man in his image, not in the likeness of God said, let's create man in our image. So we got to get men not back to the image of the first Adam, which is a sinner. We got to get them back to the God who is sinless. And so we need another Adam to do that. So now when we can find that Adam, that seed, 
guess what he'll say? Conform to my image, not the image of Adam. Conform to the second Adam, the son of man. And I think that's very important. In chapter five, you have this genealogy through Seth, and then it moves from Seth. You have a, a interesting note here about Enoch. And Enoch lived, this is chapter five, verse 21. Enoch lived 60, 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's amazing to me, bro. So you got our first person that God takes, a righteous man, just takes him up. And, bro, I've read this. I literally read this and said, God, what kind of fellowship did Enoch have with you? God, I want to be so close to you where you say, Theo, man, I love you so much. I'm going to snatch you on up, man. Come on up here to heaven. Can you imagine that, man? He's walking that close with God. I got to get you. Man, I love you so much. This fellowship is so sweet. Come on up here, my guy. That's beautiful, man. But one thing we get in this text as well, it says that Enoch was the father of Methuselah. And I've seen in the Hebrew that Methuselah name means something special. It means literally after he dies, it is sent. What's the it, bro? That flood. The flood, man. <laughs> the flood. So Methuselah, bro, his name is a ticking bomb timer. Like it's detonated. When he's born, the, the bomb is detonated and it's ticking. And when he dies, man, it comes. The flood comes. And I, I think it's interesting that he lives the the longest as well. We see in verse 26 that he lived 782 years after he had became the father of Lamech. Obviously, this is a different Lamech. And he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years. And that's to get our attention. Most people take that as Bible trivia. Like, oh, man, he's the oldest person to ever live on earth. Really, that's to get your attention. No, his name means something. Like, let that stick out, because after he dies, it is sent. Mm. And so they say this. Look at what they say. So we got our goggles on looking for the seed. And Lamech says he lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, this one will give us rest from our work and from our toil of our hands arising from the ground, which the Lord has cursed. Bro, why did he go back to the curse saying this one will give us rest? This is the seed, bro. In fact, he named him Noah. You know what Noah name means? That's the Hebrew word for rest. So he says, we're going to get back to Sabbath. We're going to get back to rest. And it wasn't Cain. It's this one that'll get us there. Noah. But we're about to learn quickly that Noah isn't a seed, but he's in the lineage of the seed. He's going to be the father of his it come up. Verse 32, bro, he lived 500 years and he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We got to figure out which one. We got to figure out which one, bro. Which, which one of these sons is of the seed of the serpent and which one is of the seed of the woman. But this gets tricky, bro. All three of these boys get on the boat. Isn't that crazy, man? So God floods the earth and we like, oh, we didn't read. We didn't got rid of the seed of the serpent. But that's not true, bro. He on the boat. Bro, he could have. God could have wiped it out. We could have been roses from here on out. But he preserved the war. He preserved the war, bro. He put, get this, bro. He put the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman on the ark, on the ark. 
So the seed of the serpent out there keeping the animals alive. I don't know what they're doing, how they tending the animals. I just left the art in the Creation Museum, and they did an outstanding job of showing what it may have looked like. So you got all eight people on the boat. And it, we ain't there yet. Yeah. But when we get there, it's pretty interesting how God exposes the seeds and the, and the serpents that you see. Nah, but we do get to a funny chapter, bro, in chapter six. <laughs> you gonna handle this one, or you gonna yeah. uh, you gonna make me deal with it? But I'll jump it off, and I'll let you give some commentary. So it says an interesting statement. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards. When the sons of God came, into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. And so we got to tackle this, bro. So when we hear a statement that says in this chapter that verse five, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, bro. So that's a tough statement too. So we got, the thought of man evil continually. That's that's bad. So we go from lame it gangster rap to them using God's creation. They got music. They got everything. So they turning up. I'm thinking about New Orleans in my head. That's the only parallel I got. But I know it was wicked. It's probably other countries that give a, a better analogy. So it's wicked, evil continually. And God says he regretted. And so we got to deal with that, too. So what does it mean for God to regret or to change his mind? One of the best explanations I've heard, they, ha they have to use a big word to explain this, is called a anthropomorphism. And so what an anthropomorphism is, anthropology, anthro-man, morphism. So God takes on the qualities of man to show us what he did. So he really didn't change his mind, but he's using what man would do to help us understand him more. Does that make sense? And so that's always helped me understand it better. Somebody may can come in, in our Q&A session one day and poke holes in it. But that's always helped me to understand how God is showing. I don't change my mind. I'm immutable. I don't change. But let me show you how I'm reacting to creation and what I'm doing here. Taking care of that. But let's back up. We probably got to spend the rest of this episode on these sons. Yeah, I got three questions. <laughs> they don't throw them at me <laughs> too hard. Let me keep talking. Maybe you'll forget two of them. So we got now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land. And so the first one is he says that the days will be at 120. I got to pick on that one first, because a lot of people take this as the text of how many days they want to live on Earth. Like they're like, God, give me my 120. If I got my 120, I'm good. And that's one interpretation. But I think a better one is God saying like Methuselah, him being a countdown, he's saying, Look, the days left are 120, then the flood will come. So I don't think you can claim this verse on how old you want to be. I think a better verse is when David says a man will be 70, but by reason of strength, 80. I think that's a better verse to claim when you're talking about age. Yeah. And so we got that. We say his spirit would not strive with man forever. But we got these Nephilim, bro. What are these things, man? These It says the sons of God, and you only have a few options there. Like you got... Some says the, the sons of Cain, 
the sons of Seth. These are like rulers. Angels. But one of the interpretations is angels. And that one seems funny. And then you got another interpretation. It gets funky. Like I think in the 70s, they said they were aliens. And so we can scratch that one off the list, bro. Like, hey, bro, please don't let the world know <laughs> the conspiracy theories you are. I'm trying to keep that closeted, but you coming out the closet on me, bro. I'm trying to keep you contained. So if you take an alien position, I'm just going to get you biblical counseling because you got some problems. Yeah. But if I think, bro, the angel position is the accurate one. Because Peter picks up on this, Jude picks up on this, but I think they're fallen angels. And so, and you see this multiple times in Sodom and Gomorrah, they are trying to have relations, have sex with angels, bro. And so this isn't foreign to the text. And so let's go back to our Genesis 3.15 war. So if I know that I'm in enmity with God, with the seed of the woman, what do I want to do? Let's corrupt humanity to the point where there cannot be any seed. And so I see this plot of these demons coming down, sleeping with women. And it's saying, God saying, look, y'all ain't do nothing. All y'all did was create Nephilim. And it says in the text, it says they were already here. It says these are renowned who were in those days and afterwards. So the text is saying Nephilim were already here. Y'all just created more of them. So all your union did was create Nephilim. You see what I'm saying? Bro, I think this is a demonic attack that is ineffective, that doesn't work. And get this. The word Nephilim means supersized, means giant. This is funny. If you go to Israel, anytime if you're able to go to Israel and you go to McDonald's, bro, if you want to supersize your fry, guess what you ask for? Hey, let me get that Nephilim. <laughs> hey, I want a Big Mac. I want, hey, let me get a Nephilim size. Let me get that Nephilim size. Who's the mighty man? The mighty man, where are we in the text? Let me make sure I'm not off my game. So these were the Nephilim. They were mighty men of old, men of renown. Just a, a more descriptive word of the Nephilim. But I think the point of the text is, bro, they were already on the earth. They were giants. We get to numbers. You see them going over saying that we we're grasshoppers in their sight. And so you see Goliath, some estimate him to be a ridiculous height. I can't even off my mind. I want to say it's somewhere like nine ten feet tall like crazy tall and then even today we got any nephilim today bro can we call Shaq? and y'all mean a nephilim oh yeah man you're like seven three <laughs> yeah. man. man we got so all right today's nephilim all right all the nba players that's what we saying man we finna get kicked off this podcast but but talking through this so we talk about the nephilim and how wicked it is and so God tells Noah, a righteous man who was blameless at the time, to who walk with God. And then we said that the seed has the lie somewhere with Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And then now the, the world is corrupt. And he tells him he's about to destroy the earth. So take gopher wood and make an ark. And take every kind of animal, two of each kind, on the ark with you. And he says this in, in verse 20. Every kind will come to you and to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all the food which is edible and gather it to yourself and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded so him to do. 
man, in this miraculous, God brings the animals to Noah. So God, this is God is a part of this plan. In fact, we're going to see later that God shuts the door, bro. God all in this. But then we'll talk about later. Then God shuts up. He doesn't talk. Noah's just on that boat figuring it out. And that's scary. We have to talk about that. That's how our life is sometimes. God's moving and shaking, speaking and telling us things. And then, boom, he's quiet for a season. And we got to figure it out. But, man, I want to get practical before we close out. Man, what's something we can take from this? We're talking about Nephilims. We're talking about demons, arts, wicked men, the seed. How does this encourage you to get through your day, man, when you're swinging a hammer, painting the house? How can Genesis 4 through 6 help you out? We need to see God's faithfulness. God's been faithful since the beginning, and I'm going to continue to be faithful until we meet him face-to-face in glory. Man, that's good. So we got a faithful God who is gracious, who preserves his seed, and the seed who's delivered us, and we can trust him. Bro, sometimes we don't need this amazing application. We just need to know God's character, need to know, like, he's a good God. Like, bro, that gets me through more moments than a fire application. Because a, a fire application is only good for a few moments. But, bro, knowing God's character, that's good for every moment. So I'm getting to the point in my life where, man, don't give me all these little applications. Like, man, teach me about my God. Because that's what's going to sustain me in life. Like, when I'm down, I need to know God is there. If he's there, the God who was faithful before, if he's walking with Theo, man, I can make it. And so... Let's get in there, bro. Like, God's character, him being a good God, he's faithful, and we can trust him. And because he can trust him, his word is authoritative, bro. Let's listen to it, let's obey it, and let's deny all our worldly passions. Yeah. Let's go get it, my guy. All right, that wraps up today. Y'all take care. We'll catch y'all next time.